Good morning. Such encouraging news and report from our VBS. So grateful for Carla Lorig, our director of children's ministry, and for Abigail North, our intern with children's ministry this summer. Uh, what a wonderful week! I'm so thankful for all those who contributed and made that happen. A lot of a lot of work, a lot of time and energy and effort and prayer and hope went into that, and so so cool to see all that come together and to celebrate together uh, this morning. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open up your Bible to the first chapter of the Gospel of John. In fact, we're just going to be focused on specifically one verse in the first chapter of the Gospel of John. We'll get to that in a moment, uh, but as you're turning there, I want to share with you some observations I've had over the last few years. We live in an interesting day and age where it seems especially easy to have a cynical and pessimistic view of the people who are, quote-unquote, in charge. We see this politically. We don't trust presidents and politicians. We see this corporately. We don't trust CEOs and boards. We see this medically. We don't trust doctors or pharmacists. We see this locally. We don't trust the police or school boards community leaders. And there are all sorts of complicated and oftentimes convoluted reasons for this, but it seems that we're easily justifying whatever thing or people we don't trust. We also live in a day and an age where it seems especially easy to dismiss those who have gained years of experience and expertise in whatever field of study We are comfortable saying, well, actually, to the epidemiologist. And yeah, but to the PhD in comparative politics. And our day is also marked with increasing acceptance that we can individually redefine things, things like who we are, what we are, what we are here for, and so forth. In many ways, our day and age has embraced the running motto of the book of Judges. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Because of our current cultural climate, to do what is right in our own eyes, never trusting those in charge, We need to recognize that this cultural riptide, if you will, is exhausting and will drown us in doubt. Doubt in the things around us and that doubt projected upward to the things of God, to God himself, to Jesus. So let's carefully consider Jesus together. We are in a series on the friendship with God, and today we're looking at our gracious Redeemer, our gracious Savior. We're looking at Jesus, and we live in a day and age in which we don't trust those in charge. And so is it, it's, it's on us to, to guard our hearts from seeing that projected upward to Jesus. So let's consider Jesus today and why he's worth the trust, why he's worthy to trust. I want to look at verse 16 of John chapter 1. 
Simple sentence. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. I want us to trust this today. And to do that, I want to encourage us to trust the gracious Savior by first of all trusting who he is. Trust who he is. And then secondly, trust what he gives. That we go against the climate and the current and the riptide of our day and age in a broken world in which we don't want to trust. In turn, look at Christ through the lens of trusting who he is and what he gives. So let's do that. Let's look at trusting who he is. So the very beginning part of that verse That expression from his fullness is very important for us. Because before we talk about the things that he gives, we need to understand in increasing measure that who he is. From his fullness. The idea of fullness is the idea of ever abundance. It's something that is never diminishing, but also never needed to be added to. In fact, you can't add to it. It's always full. Ever abundant. And so from this look of from his fullness, trusting who he is, we see that Jesus is ever abundant. Jesus in his person, in who he is, never lacks, never wants, never wishes for, never aspires for more. He is fullness. And because he is fullness, he never needs something. And never adds to what it is that he already is. And that means because of his fullness, our friendship with him is all overflow. We don't have a needy friend in Jesus. He doesn't come into a friendship with his people, needing from his people. It is the overflow of his fullness that we have a friendship with him. So maybe naturally a good question to ask is, so what is Jesus ever abundant in? What is he ever abundant in, in his person? Well, from our immediate context, we see that he's abundant in grace. And then just a verse or two verses earlier in verse 14, we see that he is Jesus is fully grace and truth. Familiar words we often hear at Advent, Christmas time. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. The same word there for the fullness uh, in verse 16 is being used there in verse 14. Jesus is full, ever abundant in grace and truth. He lacks nothing. Not only that, in verse 14, we see that Jesus is fully man. He is fully present in our humanity, into our world. So he's not removed from our experience. He entered into it fully. And he is the word that became flesh. Which as you follow all the way back up to the very beginning of the gospel account. in John chapter 1. We see that Jesus is God. God in the flesh. So that means he's, he's fully grace. He's fully grace and truth. He's Fully man, and he is fully God. Colossians 1 and Colossians 2 draw that out also. In Colossians 1.19 it says, For in him, Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. 
In Colossians 2.9, For in him the f- whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Jesus is fully God, fully man, fully grace, fully truth, fully present into our world and our humanity. And, and as if that wasn't enough, Jesus is fully always. Jesus is fully always. Hebrews 13.8 Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, and today, and forever. It's important that we set our heads and our hearts on this truth of, of who Jesus is so that we're trusting in who He is because He is ever abundant. He is never lacking. He is never diminishing. He is never wishing for more. He is always full, always. And his ever abundance means then he is ever sufficient for us. Jesus is ever sufficient. Just thinking back to verse 16 in John chapter 1. The beginning of the verse says from. The from in the phrase from his fullness implies that who Jesus is comes to us. The fullness of who Jesus is then is the source of. Of the fullness of what Jesus gives. If Jesus is ever abundant. Never diminishing. Never adding to who he is. What then might that mean. With respect to what he gives. What he gives. Is ever sufficient. Because he is ever abundant. And this ever abundant. Ever sufficient one. His friends of sinners. It means what Jesus gives will always be sufficient. At the heart of it is what we see in, in the overarching work that Jesus accomplishes on our behalf. In 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6, it says, For there is one God... And there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gives himself as a ransom for all. The ever abundant, ever sufficient one lays down himself for the, for the relationship of sinners with God. To bring about this great rescue. That's who he is. That's who he is. Jesus is a friend we can trust. And as such, we can trust what he gives. Because of who he is, we can trust what he gives. And that brings us to see the second part of uh, the, the verse in verse 16 of John chapter 1. For from his fullness we have all received what? Grace upon grace. We have received grace upon grace. Jesus gives unending grace. The phrase grace upon grace describes what the from his fullness brings into our lives. It's it's the idea of something that never runs out. It's this idea of this imagery, if you wouldn't mind putting into your head, um, of a bumbling 
overflowing spring that, that stretches out across the landscape as far as the eye can see. It's unending. Old theologians used to call it His incessant grace. It doesn't stop. It doesn't run dry. It doesn't empty out. It is unending. It's grace and then 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 grace. It's unending. Three ways we see the unending grace that Jesus gives. First, he gives grace to save. Grace to save. Jesus pays the penalty for us and gives the riches of his righteousness so that we can be friends with God. He he takes what we owe and pays it in full. And he gives unending riches, something that we can never gain on our own, and he gives it in full. This is remarkable. This brings about our salvation. As such, then, he is able to save To the fullest, fully, finally. Meaning that there isn't anything that hangs in the balance. Both in what you would have to pay or in what you would have to gain. Jesus pays it in full and gives it in full. So there isn't anything left for you to pay. There isn't anything left for you to do in order to finish it off. Like Jesus didn't pay down 97% of your student loans. He paid them in full, metaphorically, not maybe actual yet. But Lord willing, someday when you're really old, they will be paid down. I love Hebrews 7, verse 25. Consequently, he, Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost. Awesome word. Means to the fullest. That there's fully, completely. Like there isn't anything unsure or unsettled in this grace to save that Jesus gives. He saves to the uttermost. Those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So he has grace to save. And that grace to save isn't just so that he comes along in your life and sees that you've fallen in a pit and he scoops you up, he pats you on your head, cleans you off, dusts you off, and then Gives you a little nudge and says, hey, don't fall in another pit. Get all the way to the end. No, that's, that's a, a misunderstanding of the scope and magnitude of Jesus' grace for us. Yeah, he scoops us up out of a pit. But not only does he have grace to save, but he has grace to strengthen. He has grace to strengthen us to live out the life that he has rescued us to. His grace is unending for us in our lives. And, and I, I want to encourage you with this. Jesus isn't frustrated with our neediness and our weaknesses. Jesus isn't tired of caring for our ongoing needs, our recurring struggles, our fluctuating faith. He has grace upon grace upon grace for that. We know that life is indeed hard, that evil is very much real, that we all have human hearts, which means our experience in life can be a challenging one. And we may face all sorts of hardships and struggles, but the unending grace upon grace of Jesus is 
is sufficient to strengthen us in them all. Even if we feel incredibly and woefully weak, beat down, and worn out. His grace is sufficient to strengthen us. One of the apostles knew the struggles in this world. In a world bent against the gospel. Knew the struggle of sin in his own heart. Knew the challenging circumstances of life. Had a situation that he was facing. We don't know exactly what it is. But it was enough for him to cry out to Jesus to remove it. And he didn't. He didn't. Instead, that apostle shared with us this encouraging word from Christ about the nature and scope of his grace upon grace. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the apostle Paul, relaying this to the, the Corinth church, says three times, I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. His grace is sufficient for us in all of the possibilities of things that we could face and experience in this life. His grace is sufficient. He does not run out of grace in the midst of our neediness and weaknesses, our ongoing struggles, and our fluctuating faith. His grace is greater still. He has grace to save. He has grace to strengthen us. And he has grace to satisfy. Grace to satisfy. Friendship with Jesus satisfies the longing heart. Satisfies the longing heart. We long for what only Jesus can give. And sometimes we look to the world around us to satisfy that longing. We look around and we want friendships or relationships or acceptance with others. And so we chase it. And when we get it, it sometimes doesn't quite satisfy that longing. And when we don't get it, it exacerbates that longing all the more. So sometimes we throw our, uh, our effort, our hearts into success, into comfort, to achievement. And those things can't quite bring the rest for which we have labored. The world around us changes. The things within it change. They cannot be the same yesterday, today, or forever. And so when we do not trust and who Jesus is and what Jesus gives, we invite a restlessness to rule our hearts. A restlessness to rule our hearts. In the fourth century, a guy, he didn't have all of the modern trappings. He didn't have a smartphone in his pocket. Wow, that was perfect. Um, <laughs> I didn't mean, didn't really plan that with the emergency system. Um, he didn't have all of those things. And yet he knew the experience of a longing heart. 
Augustine said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Jesus satisfies the heart, that longing heart. He has grace to satisfy, grace to save, grace to strengthen, and grace to satisfy. Because of his fullness and who he is. Jesus gives to us the ultimate satisfaction of the heart. I'm grateful for what is said in Psalm 107 and how Jesus fulfills that for us. He's the means by which this is fulfilled. In Psalm 107, this may describe you. Maybe you're in this kind of season now or or maybe you've been in this kind of season in your life or maybe someday you will be in this sort of season. Psalm 107 verses 4 through 9. Describing life in this world. And our need for grace. Some wandered in desert wastes. Finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way. Till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. For his wonderful works. To the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. We live in a day and age in which it's hard to trust. There have been plenty of reasons to doubt the things and the the institutions around us. And it would be easy to project that upward toward Christ. My hope is, as we see in John chapter 1, verse 16, from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. My hope is that what it does is propel our hearts to lean into trusting our friend Jesus, who has grace upon grace for us. Grace to save us, to to strengthen us, grace to satisfy our longing heart. There was a disciple of Jesus that often ran headfirst into some tough learning moments in life. He said or did things that were impulsive or reactionary. Things he probably would not say or do had he thought about it first. Maybe, maybe you can relate to that. Anyway, uh, that disciple experienced grace upon grace from Jesus throughout his life. He didn't wear out his welcome or dry up the grace of Jesus. And so hopefully you can relate to that too. His name was Peter and he wrote a couple of letters that you can find in the New Testament. And toward the end of his life, he wrote to encourage believers in the grace upon grace of Jesus. And so he closed his last letter with these words. But grow in the grace and knowledge of Of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and through the day of eternity. Amen. What a thought that we get to grow in experiencing the grace upon grace of Jesus Christ. That we get to grow in knowing our friend who will never run out of grace for us. Knowing that we will be able to 
enjoy him and glorify him now and all the hard days in between now and glory and throughout all of glory because that's how great of a friend he is to us. And so whatever it is that you might be facing today, whatever struggle that you may be enduring now, whatever hardship that might be heavy on your shoulders and in your heart, you have a friend in Jesus. And he has more grace in him than you have sin and struggle and hardship. You'll find in this world. So let's trust our friend Jesus. Let's trust who he is. Let's trust what he gives. Let's rest in this incredible, overwhelming grace. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would do that good work in us. And we pray that you would help our hearts um, to know and to grow in knowing the grace, knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That it would bring a comfort and a rest to our longing and restless hearts. That it would strengthen us to endure the hardships and struggles that we face. God, that you would draw us to you again and again. That we would see in Jesus one sufficient for us in every way. God, may we trust him. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.